0: Hello, all. Welcome to the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast, the podcast for cc.com. I am your host, R.D. Kulik, and with me here is the one that worships at the pentagramic altar to Bahamut and all the great devils, and that's great. greatest other host, Ty. How are you today, Ty?
1: Hi, everybody. It's interesting because I'm not religious at all, and what we're going to talk about today I actually uh, think is pretty, pretty important, but I was out, running in the woods last weekend with sometimes contributor kirk and him and i were both saying that this is our church the woods is our church (laughs) the trees are our gods the the trail is our god stuff like that so that's the church i believe in the church of trail running
0: oh well you better be careful because uh some of the people names i'm gonna bring up they're gonna specifically say you are what the problem was oh no Ty, we're going to talk about Satanism, and especially my ties to Satanism, and how it not just informed how I grew up, but is was part of my entire life in the 1980s. Everything I loved was due to Satanism, and I'm going to tell you the story of all of my friends and stuff who we were so involved in, Satanism, that uh, the lives we lead today. So are you ready for this?
1: Well, that's interesting, too. Before we get into this, would... Would you consider yourself a Satanist?
0: Absolutely not. Uh, it's uh, I, okay, believe, well, no, I believe I uh, believe Satan exists just it. like the big wa- bearded guy in the sky or the spaghetti monster or any of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm
1: just saying because I'm actively not religious, and it's interesting because I'm I don't know if I'm like conflicted about this or whatever, but I don't necessarily believe in an afterlife, a heaven and hell, or anything like that. And I don't I think you know the Earth was created via Big Bang, not a person striking down. But I I don't know if agnostic is the right term. That's what I went by, but I don't know what I, am, I guess is how I'm trying to. You know what I told somebody? Place. I
0: said, it's arrogant for me to think that this is all an accident and it's ignorant of me to think I'll ever know what created it. So. Okay. That's,
1: yeah. That's a good, that's, that's a great way to put yeah. it.
0: That's the way I've always done. But no, I am talking about the satanic panic, uh, most importantly from the 1980s. Now, I'm right now currently producing a series about the Satanic Panic. It's going to be probably I have ten episodes written out. It'll be premiering later on this year. So this is this is a warm up. This is kind of an appetizer, but also to tell you. I'm finding as we do these kind of weird things from our past like the Cleveland Browns movies or the <laughs> the War of the Worlds or speaking of satanism Aphrodite's child 666 it's uh yeah. people are like oh these are interesting things and once again I have to get credit where it's due I I thought about this as I was doing research for this podcast project I came across 1900 Hot Dog so they had a video of this this idiot, this Canadian idiot, talking, and the video is called The Games Children Play. And it's, it's all about, and I'm going to get into this a lot in the second half, about video games and heavy metal music, but it's all about how kids today don't love Christ and they don't read the gospel. Their gospel is video games that come straight from Satan. And he starts this video off, I, I'm not kidding you, in front of a school uh, playground filled with children. And he yeah. says... Children today don't play outside. They're inside worshipping video games. And I'm like, dude, there's 30 kids right behind you playing right now. While <laughs> so, say, so
1: there's kids playing behind him <laughs> while he's trying to make this yeah. point.
0: So this he was near the tail end of the so-called satanic panic. It really was about 1980 to 1990. A lot of people say more specifically 1982 till about 1987. But that was prime growing up time for me. Yeah. I'm going to cover a couple of other stories in here that we are going to do later podcasts about, like the uh, the parental advisory sticker on music. So uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> you know, these all were kind of related. But, Ty, let's go for a little history here.
1: Okay.
0: Thought to be around the 10th century of the Common Era, but the really first time we've ever really seen something related to what you may call Satanism in one way was in England in 1144. And there was a group of Jewish settlers in the town of Norwich who were accused of ritual murder of a boy. Now, this boy was found in the woods, and he had stab wounds. And it became this idea they called the blood libel, that since the Jews killed Jesus, all the Christians of the time felt like every Jew was evil, and they would associate the murder of Christians to Jews. So you had this blood libel, which is like the dawn of anti-Semitism. Again, I said, what, 1144? was Jesus a Jew? Well, come on, semantics. <laughs> anyway, but, <yeah>. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you've always had this. Even to this day, the only good thing about blue checks on Twitter now is you can go to the worst stories and see all the idiot blue checks, and they're all, including their edge overlord, Elon Musk, is still out there pushing anti-Semitic stuff, even though they'll say they're not being anti-Semitic. But Again, they found a dead boy and they blamed these Jews. None of it ever came about it. But since then, we've had this concept of the blood libel and this idea that, well, why are Jews killing Christians? Well, they're doing it for some nefarious evil purpose to Satan because Jews are evil. That's just kind of the thought process.
1: It's a horrible thought process. It's an
0: incredibly horrible thought process. But (laughs) That's the genesis of this. Now, what we are specifically talking about—the 1980s Satanic Panic—really starts with a book called Michelle Remembers. I have read this book. I actually had Never to read it. it. I had to read this book in uh, for a class in college, and it is quite the banger. So, the book was written by her and her uh, ther- uh, by Michelle or the Michelle of the book and her therapist, who he they eventually got married. Michelle okay. Smith and Lawrence Pastor. And what the book, it's basically, what's the best way to say it? They call it recovered memories. This was a big thing in the 80s where they'd put you under hypnosis and you'd suddenly remember all this stuff that you didn't know happened to you.
1: I've heard that before. Yeah.
0: Michelle Smith was had some issues or whatever, went to a psychiatrist. Uh, he was treating her for depression. She had recently had a miscarriage. He put her under hypnosis and Basically, he said she started to scream for 25 minutes and talk about this tale of when she was a kid. According to Michelle, when she was five, brought through what they call a ritual like, a, a ritual torture or, or sacrifice or something. And her family was part of a Satanic Church, where she went through a bunch of these, but one of them was this 81-day ritual where she was tortured, locked in cages, sexually assaulted by multiple people. She was forced to participate in human and animal sacrifices, rubbed with blood and alcohol, rubbed with blood of body parts of infants. And at the end, the only thing that saved her was Jesus, the Virgin Mary, and Michael coming to stop the, Michael the angel to come and stop everything. Makes sense,
1: huh? No, it does. <laughs> okay. So again, a little mini tangent here, but this is where I get confused by all this stuff. Like I'm not. I'm not one for you know speaking in tongues. I don't believe. I guess is what it is. You you said it better, but I don't believe in any of that stuff. I feel like this is their way of justifying what they're doing. They probably lied so long that they themselves believe that now and think this is real. But this to me is fabricated. It's it's not real. It's it's crazy. This is what they wanted to write. I don't think something like that happened to this person. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry to that person and her family and everything, but. I don't believe this happened. I believe they made up this fantastical story to sell these books to read in college.
0: Michelle Smith would uh, go on tour a lot to talk about these things. And I again, I remember these very well. As a matter of fact, she along with another woman who claimed the same thing were on Oprah Winfrey's show. And Oprah Winfrey presented everything they were saying as absolute fact. Look, I'm not here to dump on Oprah Winfrey, but the whole reason we have all this vaccine skepticism is because she brought on Known scientific uh, expert, what's her name, from the dating show on MTV. And she was...
1: uh, Oh, Jenny McCarthy. Yeah,
0: Jenny McCarthy. (laughs) Oprah Winfrey put her on. People all believed it. It was such a sensational story. And it's like, oh, it must be true. It has obviously been just reported as pure and utter bunk and all made up and everything like that. But for a time period, for a few years, this Michelle Remembers was considered absolutely true. And people would talk about it and say, you know, this is proof of Satanism and this is proof of what these people are doing. Yeah, pretty, pretty bad, pretty stupid.
1: Well, I'm all for therapy. I've been going to therapy for 21 years now. Like, I love it. But there is you've heard stories about how therapists will bend stuff to make it to get the patients to say what they want to say, what they want them to hear, because it's all about. You want to have your, uh, what's it, Andy Warhol said 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. I think this person wanted to have her 15 minutes of fame, and she had a doctor who was willing to obviously, you know, engage in a relationship with her and then push this narrative of something that never happened. So that that's what drives me most nuts about these cultish, re- cultish religious people who are just out there pushing their beliefs on you. And if you don't believe them, you're wrong. And this actually happened to me. It didn't happen. It, it Religion drives me crazy. So that's that's how, how I'll put it.
0: A little bit of a, and most people listening to this are going to understand what I'm saying. But just in case, there's, especially Generation X kids, there's this concept. They were called the latchkey kids. These were the kids that were left at home after school because both parents were working. Now, our mother, through most of my life, stayed at home. But it was pretty much when oh. I went to college,
1: all of my childhood, she
0: yeah. was <laughs> But for the most part, you had a lot of these kids who, after school, were left to their own devices, so to say. I know a lot of you are saying, well, that's why society fell apart and we burned all the cities down in 1985, because a bunch of <laughs> teenagers were left alone. So yeah, obviously, no. But I think there was, and yes, I'm about to really bash down on the baby boomers for this one, but this is a time, too, where the baby boomers are starting to get into their careers, and their parents, the so-called "gray" generation, may be like, why are you going to work? Why are you not watching your kids? Who's watching your kid? What's going on? So there became this, this hysteria, this panic that the kids were doing things that were, were unsavory. And it was part of this guilt of the baby boomers that they couldn't be home for them. So you had to make up some excuse of why your kid's a jackass. But in their excuse was it's Satan. That's why Michelle Remembers became such a a pivotal moment for this as it gave them, and then along with Oprah Winfrey giving it credit, it gave them something to hold on to. Now, you also had at the time television went from three networks to about 100 channels with the rise of cable. Then you also had at the same time the rise of video games. All that stuff I'm going to talk about the second half. With MTV, music was getting a lot more expansive and people were seeing people on TV that didn't look like them you saw people like boy george or rod stewart or you saw women being bitchy self-confident like pat benatar or joan jett so Mm -hmm. society was radically changing and this was also pre-internet so you really couldn't go through show the bs of all this stuff so that's i I guess my point is that's why michelle remembers kind of hit with these people well, kids like me, I just wanted to go hang out at my friend's house whose parents weren't home so we could <laughs> watch the dirty part of Animal House or something like that. So All
1: right. You'll yeah. talk about it more in a second. <laughs> I have to Go play video games. Like In the Mario episode that we did, I mentioned I didn't get to play a lot of video games at home because I'm the youngest of four of us. That's what I did. I went to my friend's house and played mm-hmm. video games. I didn't go to my friend's house and hail Satan while I was over there and stuff. And like I'll talk more about it in the second half, too, with I just saw Tenacious D and their whole shtick is like hailing Satan. I think using television as a platform, it's like the internet. There's good and bad and everything. And I think the fact that I, I love Oprah Winfrey. I have no real problems with her, but I never watched her show. But I wish... People wouldn't just jump to any way you can get viewers. I don't like when people talk show hosts have people on like that. It's just like when Fallon had Trump on and like tousled his hair and people like, oh, look at him. And then a whole craziness happened from 2016 to now. So for Oprah Winfrey to put this lady on her show, that's that's negligent. I don't like that at all. And it's just a, a way for these people to push their, I guess, propaganda is the best word I can.
0: No, and, and look, even before the 1980s, you had the Manson murders, the Charles Manson murders, yeah. which a Got lot of our people- our mom
1: reads and watches <laughs> all that stuff. It creeps me out still. Yes, yeah. And
0: so there was, this, <laughs> there was this salacious nature of it being like- Satanic. Oh my God, they're worshiping yeah. Satan. You also had Anton LaVey and the rise of the Church of Satan. Again, that will be in uh, this podcast series I do. I just want to talk mostly about the 80s. But you also had the movie The Exorcist that came it's a out. Scary movie. Yeah. So there is a, and people constantly will tell you, as a matter of fact, they'll tell you The Exorcist is based on the true story that happened at St. Louis University.
1: Uh huh. So I, I heard my whole life.
0: Yeah. I hate to tell people this, but. <laughs> I don't think there's any devil taking over little children or whatever. And you want to know something scary about The Exorcist? See how they treated Linda Blair, a child, uh-huh. okay? Yep. They, they nearly broke her back to get the right yep. shot. So that's what you should be afraid of.
1: Well, it's funny, too. You mentioned a movie like The Exorcist, and I just took our dad uh, a while back when John Wick 4 came out, and we had a preview for that uh, Russell Crowe movie, The Pope's oh, Exorcist. Yeah. And him and I, our father went to Catholic school, was raised in the Catholic church. He doesn't believe anymore. But him and I, while that preview, it's supposed to be this scary movie, we were both cackling at how ridiculous it looked.
0: Yeah. and <laughs> But you bring up a good point, though, because I'm going to say this, especially the thing I talk about at the end of this first half. They're trying to do the same things. They're trying yep. to hit the same things. So obviously, when you have these people, and again, it's my amateur opinion that it's baby boomers that feel bad and they're looking for excuse of why their kid is acting up. They start looking for boogeymen or boogey devils in every corner. It's like, Bart, I hate to tell you, but there may be a boogeyman or boogeymen in the house. <laughs> Homer's <laughs> eyes are all big. When they don't. <laughs> but it. Uh, so they're looking for everything. So Procter & Gamble. Now, do you know what Procter & Gamble is? They make a ton of stuff that I buy in the store. Yeah. Soap, uh, Tide. Brushes. uh, Yeah, Crest, I believe. I know that Procter & Gamble's... You
1: used to live near the building, too? Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, no, no, I do. No, I was about to say, (laughs) it's a very well-known Cincinnati company. It's been around a long time. Swiffer's, it's the largest consumer products company in the entire world. And a lot of people my age will talk about, they'll remember this, the Phil Donahue Show, one of the original talk shows. In 1982, they had an episode where the president of Procter & Gamble came on and talked, to, and everybody said, if you look at the Procter & Gamble logo, it's like this man in the moon, crescent moon, looking at all these stars. And people are saying it's it's a satanic symbol, the number of stars, the moon, all this other thing. So the president of P&G went on Phil Donahue's show. He admitted that he's a satanist. The company was founded under satanic principles, and they give a certain amount of money to satanic causes. And Phil Donahue was like, how can you say this? And he's like, I am the largest. We are the largest consumer products company in the world. There are not nearly enough Christians Mm -hmm. to stop our business. Pretty spectacular. Yeah. That entire story is BS. Oh, man. And to to this day, (laughs) there's a massive Snopes article about it. But people will tell you, Ty, I even before we did this podcast, Just to make sure I Googled or I went to YouTube and typed in Phil Donahue Procter and Gamble Satanism. It's no, it's never happened. But people will claim again and again and again. It was so bad that P&G had to have a phone line that people could call in if you thought they were satanic to tell you we are not Satanists. Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) I mean, that would have been rad if it was true. But also, why do we why do we? These companies have to babysit people. If if they're Satanist, who cares? Mm-hmm. Are you going to stop buying soap? Are well, you gonna do other stuff like
0: and that's the thing. It's uh, there was I mean, other shows. Sally, Jesse, Raphael. People would talk about this. They'd bring bring people on. They got so bad to the point that Procter and Gamble fly I had to sue people. And It took decades, but it's still to this day, you can go out there and people will talk about the Procter & Gamble symbol and how it's satanic and how, oh, do you know the CEO admitted that they were? No, he never did. (laughs) Because there's an entire dollop about that just alone. And every dollop's like an hour and a half long. It is just, but they had to find a boogeyman somewhere. And the point I bring up about the Procter & Gamble thing is, they will lean into their lie. It's like flat earthers. They will lean mm-hmm. so far into it that even though you could give them all the proof in the world you need, they will continue to lean into it and just say, "Well, you're you're brainwashed. You don't know. No, we do mm-hmm. know. It's it's here. There's <laughs> it's not some proven. yeah. There's not some great satanic plot to cover up Procter and Gamble role in the church. It goes. I remember my wife saying this about the moon landings. She's like, there are tens of thousands of people involved in that project. And you're telling me every single one of them would have stayed quiet?
1: Exactly. Like, it, imagine the payout that would have taken are the people who d- think 9-11 was an inside job. Mm-hmm. Like, this, some somebody would have said something by now. Yeah. And I love that you bring up flat earthers and, like, the, the alt-right conservatives and all this stuff. It's, when you do press these people on it, you're exactly right. Their response is, oh, you're part of the woke mob, mm-hmm. or you don't get... Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm giving you facts, and you're coming back with non-facts. Like, it's – I don't know. It drives me nuts. It's the people – it's like it, – you mentioned off mic how this would kind of trigger me, and it has because this is like the QAnon stuff that's mm-hmm. happening. This is like <laughs> January six rioters and stuff. Like, these people don't want to believe facts. They just want to believe what they believe, and when you push them on it, their response is to – you know, fight, not have a conversation with you, but fight with you about it. And that's what drives me nuts about stuff like this.
0: Now, I'm going to I'm going to end this first half because I'm doing a lot of the darker stuff here in the first half. I'm going to do the more ridiculous stuff in the second half. Watching Last of mm-hmm. Us in my house. You're
1: telling me uh, about dark stuff. In the uh, 80s. Come on. yeah.
0: <laughs> Over 12,000 documented accusations of ritual satanic abuse in the 1980s alone. Over 12,000. The number of allegations that were found to be true are infinitesimally small, maybe one or two out of 12,000. That's what people did is they constantly turned around and they would find any issue out there. They would find Satanism somewhere. People not have anything better to do. (laughs) These people are complaining that you're not watching your kids. Go watch your kids instead of putting lawsuits out there all the time. Well, let's talk about the big one, the one that helped kick a lot of this off, but probably ended the whole thing. It's called the McMartin Preschool Trial.
1: Okay. I don't even know what that
0: is. So the McMartin Preschool, it was a daycare. And this was in the uh, early 1980s, 1983. A mother, a son of hers had painful bowel movements. And so she asked him what was wrong. And there's a lot of different issues one way or the other. The McMartin Preschool is a family-run daycare. Finally, she co- – according to a lot of people, she coaxed out of him that he was being sexually abused at the school. Ugh. And then you take along things like Michelle Remembers and all this other stuff. She decided it was part of some massive satanic ritual. He, her son was part Ugh. of a satanic ritual. So she went to – this was in uh, the Los Angeles area. And so she went to the district attorney. And the district attorney, Ira Reiner, who again, 1983, they're all in this stuff. It's like, okay, I'm going to make a name for myself, and I am going to bust these people. There were over 200 people that were charged in this, uh, wow. in this case. And like I said, it started in 1983. As a matter of fact, one of the first things the DA did is sent a letter out to every single parent. Okay? None of them knew what was going on, but the DA – and I'm going to read part of this letter, Okay? So the department is conducting an investigation involving child molestation of, of da, 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 an employee of Virginia McMartin's preschool, and he was arrested on September 8th by this department, or on September 7th by this department. The following procedure is an unpleasant one, but protect the rights of your children as well as the rights of the accused. This inquiry is necessary to complete in an investigation. And then it goes in, it says, your child was here. You need to come to us. We need to talk with your child about whether or not they were abused. So... You're a parent with a kid in a preschool, and all of a sudden you get a letter that says one of the people's been arrested for child molestation.
1: Taking my kid out of there immediately, even if I don't know. Yes. That's the whole guilty until proven innocent thing. Yes.
0: So (laughs) they brought in a psychologist who was trying to make a name for himself. And it was claimed that, sorry, 360, by spring of 84, they said 360 children had been abused. Now— Because these were all public records, and during the course a lot of this stuff came out, there was – children would report that after being sexually abused, they would see witches fly. They were taken in hot air balloons. There were underground tunnels between the school, as some of this sound familiar, that would funnel these kids into where they could be abused. And when uh, one child was asked to identify their abuser, they picked out Chuck Norris what yeah a picture (laughs) of truck north so as these bizarre allegations started to come to light people are like wait a second something doesn't sound exactly right about this yeah
1: it all sounds fabricated mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) yeah so at the end of the day seven years 15 million dollars the most expensive criminal uh, case in u.s history there were zero convictions
1: People got their names dragged through the mud because some people wanted to try and claim this was a Satanist type deal. Well, so I mean, I was getting Wizard of Oz vibes from what you were telling me, dude. Like, that's
0: the school was closed down, dismantled because it was an evil, evil place. Years later, almost all the children have completely retracted their allegations of abuse. This uh, Ray Bucky spent tons of time in jail, he'd been jailed for five years without ever being convicted of a crime.
1: You don't blame a kid when you give them the car keys and let them drive. You blame the parent. This mm-hmm. is all on the parents. A hundred percent on the parents. Yeah. What did they What did they expect to gain out of this? Do they think
0: daycares have <laughs> just endless income that they can give out to people? It completely destroyed. I mean, destroyed everybody. It destroyed Ray Bucky's life. The guy there, five years yeah. in jail, never convicted of anything.
1: Oh, my God. And one of the
0: prosecution's main witnesses was a person he shared a cell with. So another an actually convicted criminal. And they used his testimony because he said, oh, yeah, he admitted it to me that he did it. No, He never did. No, but they and the New York Times and the media, whenever they covered it, it was all about how bad the daycare was. I bring that one up because you had Pizzagate and you had these people saying there's a pizza place in D.C that was funneling children yeah. for for Ridiculous. Hillary Clinton and all these other people. Do you know what the pizza place and the daycare had in common? There were no tunnels.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: yep. And in the Pizzagate case, a guy went into that pizza place with a gun demanding to see the tunnels. Jesus,
1: that's so, horrifying.
0: So this crap, these QAnon idiots are playing the exact same thing in the 1980s, that destroyed people's lives destroyed people's businesses made people made children pawns and just these terrible things all because good christians think they're defending satan or whatever they're the damn well, and, and they're the damn evil ones not Satan. well i
1: was gonna say and spoiler alert all these quote unquote good christians aren't good christians look at your cult leader trump he's been accused of sexual assault multiple times look at a Lauren Boebert, Little Miss, I'm Family Person, filing for divorce yesterday. Look at all the hatred that Marjorie Taylor Greene and that Matt Gates spew out of their mouth and Ron DeSantis. All these people aren't these good Christians that all these alt-right conservatives think they are.
0: Hello, all. This is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about another podcast that I do work on called High Heels in Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed a a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of the state, she's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because. She talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Uh, Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week, and it's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested or know anybody that may be on high heels in politics? Just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, I'm going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Now, never played it. <laughs> haven't seen the movie,
1: but I know about it.
0: You no, know, the the new movie's actually. I it's pretty good. It's pretty. I mean, I say
1: everybody who's seen it that I know likes it a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, you. It's a good like adventure movie, and I I. Would have this is actually, I think, the third Dungeons and Dragons movie. I have never seen the other two, and they're supposedly just beyond terrible. You looked at the cast of this one, and the guys I think it was a directing team, but they did something else, which is pretty successful. But, anyways, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> they did that Jason Bateman game night movie. I think that's oh, that was
1: to, I never saw that, but that was yeah. a that got good reviews. Yeah,
0: no, Dungeons and Dragons. I'm not I, one day I'll maybe do a podcast about it, but very, very in a, a 30 second elevator pitch was a game made up by this guy, Gary Gygax, is mostly known for making it up, but a few other people he's from Wisconsin. They sat around and they had like little miniature. Medieval guys, and they wanted to make a game on how they could fight each other. And they had these weird dice, not a normal six-sided dice. They had a 10-sided, a four-sided, a 20-sided, and they would make up these different rules. And it was basically – it's just BSing. It's just sitting down making up a story Mm -hmm. and saying, hey, the – uh, the monster's coming up to you. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to swing my sword. You roll a dice, and if you do well, your sword hits. If you don't do well, you go up and you give the monster a hug. I mean, whatever <laughs> whatever the dungeon master s- supposedly makes up. It became Dungeons & Dragons became really big in the early 1980s. Again, my, almost myself and all of my friends, I've been the exact right age for that. That's yep. what we played. By the time you were there, it had kind of fallen out of favor for a variety of reasons. But one of which is a woman by the name of Patricia Pulling. Okay. Patricia Pulling had an absolute horrible tragedy that happened to her in June of 1982. Her son shot himself in the chest, killing himself.
1: Ugh. That's very
0: bad. So Ms. Pulling decided that she was looking for why, what happened, and decided to focus on Dungeons & Dragons she thought he killed himself because he was playing this very immersive imaginary game and he got too involved in it it became his reality when his character died he killed himself so she filed a lawsuit against uh, the against Gary Gygax TSR and the creators of Dungeons and Dragons and then she created an organization called BAD now BAD B A D D stands for bothered about Dungeons and Dragons okay uh. bad was one of the preeminent anti-satanic groups out there because not only did they go after dungeons and dragons they went after television they went after music they went after video games that were coming about they would have books that were out there she was on 60 minutes at one time talking about how bad D is now for comparison 60 Minutes also had Gary Gygax on, and it was – I think most people walked away from that and was like, okay, this is this is just stupid. But yeah. it started this whole idea that this game, this fantasy game, was creating Satanists. I'll talk a little bit about my experience with it at the end here, but I'm still alive here, and I have uh, yeah. plenty of characters that have died. So anyways.
1: In a situation like that, and that is a horrible, horrific tragedy, I wouldn't wish on anybody – but I think in a situation like that, you try and it, it, the kid was probably depressed going through something that they didn't know about. But to just grasp on anything as to what well, wasn't my fault or their fault, it was something else. And that's that's almost as tragic as a tragic, tragic event that happened to mm-hmm. her in her life.
0: I'm also now going to talk about a young man by the name of James Dallas Egbert III.
1: OK, I have no idea who that
0: is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He was uh, born in 1962 in Dayton, Ohio, so not far from here. He entered Michigan State University at the age of 16 because he was a computer science uh, prodigy. Before he had gone there, though, again, being a very, very intelligent child, he was very lonely, had disappeared a few times, had attempted suicide, was thought to have depression, was addicted to drugs in a lot of ways, and a lot of people believe that he was a closeted homosexual. So all of these things, being the super smart young kid who was lonely, on drugs, and possibly gay, did not make for a a healthy life, okay?
1: It's not easy. Yeah. Going through all that.
0: So while he was at Michigan State, he one day, he, they, they couldn't find him. He just uh, disappeared. And they found the suicide note, and he then, In the suicide note, he said he was going into the university steam tunnels, these tunnels underneath Michigan State. He took a bunch of drugs, was going to commit suicide, but he survived. And he woke up the next day, and he went to go hide in his friend's house. While he was gone, while he disappeared, though, there was a a private investigator. They wanted to find him. His family or somebody hired him and said, you know, our son's disappeared, he has all these problems, can you go find him? And that private investigator noticed that... uh, that uh, james here played dungeons and dragons and so he right. came up with the idea that he was playing dungeons and dragons decided to go down into these sewers because they were like a dungeon and he was gonna go fight monsters because he had become so involved with the game and that's why he disappeared and probably eventually died like i said he did not die but this no. story became huge And everybody talked about, here's a young up-and-coming kid who played D&D. Don't all those other problems, ignore those. But this is what caused him to kill himself. Well, like I said, he was found alive about a year later. It was almost exactly a year after the story broke. He shot him and killed himself. And it was basically a lot of people thought, along with all of his other problems, just this quote-unquote hoax of his original death just pushed him over the edge to
1: ignore all the other stuff and focus on this board game that uh, the whole cliche well, before people yell at you
0: tie. It's not really a board game, but go okay, ahead. <laughs> I, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah. Again, I've never played, but the whole idea it it's people trying to find something else other than he needed therapy. He was going through a lot of stuff. It's not this game that he's playing. That's making him go into these tunnels because he thinks it's a dungeon. Like, I get the whole idea of you've heard stories about uh, Val Kilmer playing Jim Morrison. And he got so wrapped up in the character that he literally thought he was Jim Morrison, but he was okay eventually because he sought therapy and, and took care of all that stuff. So I just think to, to, to grasp onto something like a game like Dungeons and Dragons and make that, that that person's whole identity is uh, identity is unfair to that person. Nobody really got to know who that kid was. They just decided, Oh, they were playing Dungeons and Dragons. That's why they killed themselves.
0: Let's talk about Rona Jaffe now, all right? Who's, you, all these people have no idea who you're talking about. So, Rona Jaffe, I have this incredible book. Actually, it's called uh, Paperbacks from Hell. During the like 60s, 70s, 80s, there was all these like trade paperbacks of, just like kind of trashy novels. I mean, there was things Ooh. like Flowers in the Attic and stuff like that. Oh, that book know. is creepy as hell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Rona Jaffe, she she was one of these writers, wrote these kind of like pulpy type novels and things like that. And she took the story of James and him disappearing underneath uh, Michigan State and all that stuff and wrote this book called Mazes and Monsters. And it was basically about these college kids that got way into Dungeons and Dragons that one of them, the main character, essentially loses his mind. So the book was a big hit. Rona Jaffe was a pretty well-known, uh, well-known author. Then they decided to make a movie out of it. And this movie okay. took an actor who had been in bit roles here and there and uh, cast him in his first leading role, and that is Tom Hanks.
1: who I refer to as Odom Shank now
0: all the time. Thank you, Simpsons, for that great joke. (laughs) So this was a made-for-TV movie. And as I talk about this, again, I'm going to talk a little bit about myself, but Tom Hanks plays Robbie Wheeling, and they're at fictional Grant University, and they have a friend, they have a group of friends that already have some kind of problems, but they come together to play this game, to play this fantasy role-playing game called Mazes and Monsters. Robbie, he strikes up a relationship with a girl and he starts having nightmares about his like brother and stuff like that. And he starts getting really, really into the game and he thinks he starts halute or he starts hallucinating. He's looking for a monster called Gorville. And at one point, he finds himself in New York City. This is Tom Hanks, by the way. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I keep thinking of, like, Castaway Away and uh, uh, the the boat movie, I'm the Captain Now movie and stuff yes. like that. Yes. You
0: <laughs> yeah. So he goes to New York City and a guy tries to mug him, but he thinks Robbie, Tom Hanks, thinks it's a monster. So he takes his knife that he has, which he thinks is a sword now, and he stabs the mugger. And then okay. he sees himself in a window covered in blood while people in New York are just walking by thinking, hey, why is that dude covered in blood? And he's like, oh, no, I did something bad. And so he calls his friends and they're like, we're going to come get him. But he's like, no, I can save myself. I got to go to the two towers and jump off and cast a spell and everything will be okay. So the movie ends with uh. him at the World Trade Center getting uh. ready to jump off and his friends. Ty, I remember watching that scene. I remember that scene, which makes me think Jeez. our parents are like, This idiot kid of ours plays Dungeons and Dragons. Maybe this will set him straight.
1: (laughs) I don't know if it's that. I just think our mom and dad are like, yeah, watch this movie. I don't care what you watch. Yeah. yeah. That is. Okay. So my question for you involving Tom Hanks, to be a little bit lighter about this, Mm -hmm. which role is worse? This one or him playing Homie and Elvis, which I've only seen part of Elvis and that role in Elvis, (laughs) he is. I love Tom Hanks. He is unwatchable in that movie.
0: I told this to somebody after I watched Elvis, which I have a weird appreciation for. because That movie is trash. It's not a good movie. That's what I'm saying. It's not. But you know what Tom Hanks did? He made a choice, and he stuck with that choice. But he's
1: unwatchable in the movie. Like, that fat suit he has on, that accent he's speaking with. So you think Elvis Mm -hmm. is better than this movie? I kind of want to watch this movie. Oh,
0: no, I'm easily, when, as, I, as I go through this series here, I'm easily going to go back and watch it. It's uh, Wow. Because everybody else that's in it, they might be something. I didn't recognize their names for anything. But my point is, at this time, while Dungeons & Dragons getting really, really big, you have Bad out there, and now you have Mazes and Monsters, and it's just got a terrible name to it. It is just flat out, it's become so toxic early on to where when I talk to some of my friends, they're like, Oh yeah. I remember my grandparents were like, Oh, you know, that game Satanist and all this other stuff. And they're like, yeah, whatever. We it's just like make believe exactly. Non- yeah. Like
1: there's a great, great key and peel sketch where Key and Michael key is this dungeon master. And there's like all these nerdy looking dudes around. And Jordan peel plays like this cool young kid. And he just starts making stuff up with rappers and women who he refers <laughs> to as female dogs in it and stuff. And, all the nerdy guys are like, oh, I want to go play with Jordan Peele's character. So <laughs> yeah. that's the whole idea of this game. That My image of Dungeons & Dragons is you're just making up this fantastical world that none of it's real. And as long as you know that, it's fine to play. I, I don't know, like, it's a game.
0: Who yeah. cares? So around the same time, and I go back to MTV here, that you're seeing a lot of different, you're seeing a lot of different uh, music styles out there. Heavy metal started to become something you would see regularly because, guys were all they had teased up hair and they looked crazy and they shredded on the guitar and this yeah, wasn't shredded is kind of <laughs> well game. they were okay guitar <laughs> but,
1: well if you want to talk about hair metal Def Leppard had a one arm drummer yes and when I was in a band we always used to make fun of the drummer for being like hey Def Leppard can play with one hand so let's well, see what you can do
0: the other thing about heavy metal music though is it was kind of filthy there was oh, yeah. uh ACDC had a song that said let me put my love into you uh, there was uh, Judas Priest had "Eat Me Alive," Motley Crue had "Bastard," uh, the band Wasp had "Animal," otherwise known as Kiss. "F Like a Beast."
1: Kiss had a "Love Gun."
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> Black Sabbath thrashed "Merciful Fate" into the coven. I think. I mean, this might have been '90s heavy metal, but there are bands like Cannibal Corpse. Who, uh-huh. I think they had a song called "Abort Jesus." I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! I know I know
1: that band, but I know they
0: had a song. Yeah, it's, it's uh, so. My point is, <laughs> heavy metal was out there, and then on top of that, and this is going to be for another podcast. You had Tipper Gore, the wife of Tennessee mm-hmm. Senator Al Gore, who read her daughter a uh, copy of Purple Rain and came across the song "Darling Nikki" and decided music was too filthy for children. That parents had to step in. And heavy metal was at the forefront of all of this stuff. I mean, there's famously D. Snyder at the Senate hearings, but everybody's like, yeah, well, oh, this yeah. is leading kids to Satanism. Or you had the, I mean, this even goes back to the Beatles. You play the records backwards and they have satanic yeah. messages. There's an episode. Or as the
1: Simpsons said, there's a great uh, curry recipe that all the yes. Carney put in. Maybe I'm amazed. Yeah. Or I don't know if it was curry, it was some kind of food recipe. Lentil suit,
0: maybe? Yeah, it was a, so a, a ripping. The nerds will get me on that. It was a, a ripping lentil soup.
1: <laughs> that's right. Okay.
0: <laughs> so, and you would talk about, people would talk about, uh, or you would hear people talk about subliminal messages. Super superliminal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was say. Join, Join the Navy. The Navy. <laughs> so, <All right. laughs> you want to talk about some people making fun of it. My, my favorite, G.I. Joe. There was a cartoon, uh, there's an episode of the cartoon where There was some monster, and they had to lure it back into the sea with some chant. And if you listen to it, if you listen to it, it sounds like somebody's speaking backwards. You play it forwards, and again, Ty, this is GI Joe. The message forward is: if you're looking for an evil message in this uh, sublim or in this message, you're looking in the wrong place. They're just making fun of these people, is essentially what it is. And it's come we've come to find out all the subliminal message stuff and all that stuff is BS, anyways. But heavy metal became a big thing, and it became tied – no matter if you were, like I said, cannibal corpse or ACDC, you were both considered parts of Satan. A rap music started to get wrapped into this, that, oh, you know, they're, uh, they're all Satanists, and they worship Satan. Anything that was different, anything that wasn't their Elvis, Beatles, or whatever the baby boomers like was a gateway to Satan. So, music Uh started to get wrapped up. And again, this is music I listen to, but video games. I'm going to go back to this moron who has this video where he's like, kids don't play anymore and they're outside. Yeah. (laughs) Again, it's called, if you want to watch it yourself, go ahead or go to 1900 Hot Dog. It is a Patreon site, but you can go, they have an article about this too.
1: I do want to say something about the music stuff because I, I love hip hop, as you well know, and everybody who listens to this podcast knows. And I think the whole idea of parental advisor that Satanist is like, I believe two live crew is brought into this somehow, which is hilarious yes. maybe because all two live crew raps about a sex. Yeah, So I don't know how that's <laughs> Satanist at all. I just saw Tenacious D I wrote about it on the website that I'll plug at the end of the podcast. like I do with everyone. But Tenacious D's whole shtick is they're controlled by Satan. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. But if you actually listen to their songs, like boss they're fighting Satan in that song. Mm-hmm. Or Wonder Boy fights Satan all the time. But that's the whole shtick, and I feel like Tenacious, in front of the music that you said that all these people, including Per Gord, were so against that, like, oh, you can't listen to Metallica because they're devil worshippers. Like, Black Sabbath, are you you kidding me? Just because their name is Black Sabbath, you're going to think they're, like, (laughs) they wrote one of the greatest anti-war songs ever in War Pigs. Like, to me, to put music in this whole category is... I despise Marilyn Manson, the person he shouldn't be allowed to do what he's doing. But the fact that he was blamed for Columbine still bugs me to this day. So for people that you again, this is an excuse to try and push whatever agenda you have. Music is not the issue. Music Mm -hmm. does not make a Satanist. I don't know. How much clearer I can be about that. Sorry, I know. Yeah, and
0: look, I I bring up Dungeons and Dragons because, again, I played Dungeons and Dragons. There are a lot of devils and demons and all this other stuff. There's a whole book about devils, there's gods in there that give you stats so you can go roll your dice and kill them. So you have that, and then heavy metal, they kind of lean in like, oh, yeah, you think we're Satanists? Fine, here, let's push it. But exactly, let's talk about video games, though. All right. That Canadian idiot who's screaming about kids not playing in front of a bunch of kids playing, his whole program is about, and again, this is 1990, mind you, is about the Nintendo and how it's taking away from the... It's taking away kids away from God's covenant or the gospel or some BS like that. It wasn't this program, but another one. People talk about how Mario is fat, so he's against the, the he's for the sin of sloth or something, and he shoots fire what? and fires from hell. He's, no, he's... fast. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but this one idiot, who this guy, I call him an idiot, he went on to produce the Left Behind movies with Kirk Cameron. But um, <laughs> another great Simpsons were would be left alone. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, so god why did I choose to be gay? But um <laughs> Oh my god, the Simpsons are really sorry. <laughs> no. so he talks in particular about video role playing games, things like Final Fantasy or one that's called I think Dungeon Crawler, Dungeon Monster, I don't know something like that. And he gets all indignant because these games have magic in them. And they teach you how to do the magic in the books. And what I think he means by teaching you how to do the magic is it tells you to press up on the D-pad and press B. Because it's teaching you how to play a video game. Yeah. But this guy's all. How are you supposed to find out? (laughs) (laughs) But he thinks the games are gateways to teaching magic. You can't make (laughs) a rabbit disappear by
1: pressing up and B or. What's the famous code, mm-hmm. down, right? Oh, yeah, down, up, left, up, down, right?
0: down, left, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: you can't pull a rabbit out of a hat. Scarves appear out of your shirt. I don't know, man.
0: Now, I play those <laughs> games. We're doing this a week after the new Zelda game came out. My about. wife
1: loves that yeah. new game, I'm too.
0: playing the old one, and I tell this to people all the time. So, Return of the Jedi, It's it's been 40 years since Return of the Jedi's come out. So, for at least 40 years, Todd. Every time I go up against an automatic door, I will take my hand and I'll move it like I'm moving the door open with the force. <laughs> Such a very <nerd. laughs> That doesn't mean I have the force. It no, doesn't mean it's I an think automatic it, door. it doesn't mean I think I have the force, and it doesn't mean I'm gonna go kill myself if I learn I don't have the force. So this yeah. idiot that's like, oh, they're teaching you how to do magic, I don't think I can throw fire from my hands. But no, every now and then I might do this and be like, oh.
1: I'm also I'm not I mentioned it on this podcast. I'm not a video game guy because I'm not good at them. I don't have the patience to play Zelda, Mario Odyssey, stuff like that. I do. You and I have talked about it. I am good at sports games on there. I famously, you threw a phone at me for beating you <laughs> yeah. in, in college football. About to throw which one at my son, <laughs> which is coming out next year, the new college <laughs> yeah. football game. But I would always rather be outside. Like before we recorded, I went outside and I ran. I was outside for an hour and a half. My my happy place. I said at the top of this podcast, my church is the trail. That's my happy place, and I'd like my son to maybe go outside a little bit more. He goes outside plenty, but I'm never going to say video a problem. That's not, I want him to play more outside, but I'm not going to be upset and yell at him and call him a Satanist. Cause he'd rather sit inside and watch my wife play. Uh, he keeps calling it T O T K. I don't know what that stands for. I'm sure that's the acronym for the new game. Oh yeah. Tears of the Tears of the kingdom. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what it is. But I'm never going to be, mad and call him a satanist and say it's satan that is forcing my child to not want to go outside this this gentleman
0: you're talking about is delusional Mm -hmm. well it's
1: crazy it's nuts to me that he thinks that's what it is
0: well like i said a lot of this the mcmartin trial the you know just general people looking around and saying that's stupid kind of this it all fizzled out to a point and when i talk about where a lot of these people that were involved in it obviously they've passed away just because they were old when they started bitching about it like i said the guy worried about learning magic from a video game manual he's making crappy left behind movies uh, <laughs> you know none of these people have any significance and so when i talk about my history of DD i have a pretty damn good life a friend of mine who played is a is a doctor Two as friends of mine, I know. two friends of mine that played are both lawyers. I mean, there's, yeah. I have a friend who played who owns a cigar shop in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, another friend who played who is uh, selling pet food all over the world, stuff like that. One of these things that it was a part of our life, but it wasn't our life by any means. I don't yeah. remember. Ever going to worship Satan or thinking that, you know, this Jesus guy doesn't have the right idea, but this Beelzebub, well, he seems like the man. <laughs> Obviously, it's been brought into a better life. Dungeons and Dragons is as big as ever. I said it has the movie. Joe Magli, Magley Leona, I can't say his name right. The guy who's married to Sofia Vergara. He uh Joe
1: Manjinella. Yeah,
0: he's a huge D&D player. There's a really successful oh, really? oh yeah. The more
1: I hear about that dude, the more I like yeah.
0: him. Yeah. Yeah. there's a and very it's
1: interesting, real quick because yeah. my wife and I just watched the original Star- uh Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. Yeah. The fact that that dude's supposed to be a high school student is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, and he played what? Crossbones <laughs> in the Captain America movies. That's
1: uh No, that's a different guy. Oh, yeah,
0: you're right, you're right. I'm thinking, yeah. oh, you're right. <laughs> there's a very successful podcast, Critical Role about D&D. That's big. Heavy metal music is still out there. It's a mm-hmm. uh, Tom Hanks is didn't jump off the World Trade Center, and he's out there doing terrible, uh, terrible, <laughs> terrible <laughs> Tom Parker. <laughs> you know. his, his choice was <laughs> bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is all of this stuff. Now, again, the reason I bring this up and the reason why I'm doing this series is. Everything I talked about here and the ridiculousness of it, the tunnels underground, the drinking of blood, the the ritual sacrifice, all that stuff. Ty, I'm fairly active on Twitter, and I go right after people, and I'm probably called a pedophile at least once a week. Oh, that's, you're people, not. No, <laughs> so, no. <laughs> so, yeah. People, the Pizzagate thing, <laughs> the QAnon stuff, all this, it, it never disappears. If you don't support Donald Trump, you're a pedophile or you drink blood. The idiot that played Jesus in Mel Gibson's torture porn movie is talking about how people are drinking children's adreno glands to stay. He, it's my He point also
1: is, signs JC for his Yeah, name. yeah. Jesus Christ.
0: Come yeah. On. So Talk about somebody who's lost in a
1: role that they played.
0: And Procter & Gamble settled their last satanic lawsuit in, like, 2007. (laughs) Okay? it's the, The point is, it's funny to laugh at, it's funny to look at, but we need to, when we see, when you hear these people talk about this pedophile reign around the world, or the drinking of adrenal glands, or whatever, I know I'm getting it wrong, but I don't care to get it right, they're trying the same playbook that they tried in the 1980s, and... Granted, there may not be an Oprah that's going to platform them right now, but just know, I, I think my point is, this is my PSA, just know that this is what these idiots are doing, and they're idiots, because well, everything we talked about for an hour, Ty, is so stupid.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we, Well, and just do what Jordan Klepper does, and yeah. call him out on their BS. Jordan Klepper is fantastic at, I mean, he goes into the belly of the beast, like he goes to where these crazy people are, but he qu- he pushes them, and when you see them... In a corner that they can't get out of, it's gratifying, I guess, is the right way for me, because they are so stupid that they don't even know what they're talking about.
0: Yeah. Well, Ty, if somebody needs to find you to to start up their new version of bad, we'll call it Zad i'm not zelda (laughs) is bad or something like that where are they gonna find you
1: (laughs) i'm not those people to contact me other people who want to make fun of those people contact me at uh instagram and facebook i'm not on twitter but instagram and facebook ty kulik t-y-k-u-l-i-k all lowercase more importantly i mentioned it a second ago read my stuff on seed sing dot com. pop culture sports any type of stuff i write all the stuff on there for that check that out I was just on an episode of Chucklehead Chat that dropped. Uh, check that podcast out. I've been on, I think, four or five other ones. My buddy, our buddy Glenn Adams hosts that. It's a really fun podcast to do. Most importantly, though, listen to me on this podcast, the X millennial Man podcast. Rate, review us, tell your friends about us. Check out our Patreon. And as always, we need better gun reform in this country and Black Lives Matter.
0: Yeah, I uh, repeat all that. Seedsing.com, Ex-Millennial Man I didn't really talk about it on here, but the old uh, comic strip, Bloom County, does a great job of just basically talking about how absolutely stupid. And he was writing this comic strip at the time about how absolutely stupid the whole thing is when they created a heavy metal band called Death Ton, And everybody was like, no, that's evil. That's Satanist. So he changed it to a more wholesome name called Billy and the Boiners. And I mean, that's really I mean, that's how th- look, we knew it was ridiculous then. It's ridiculous now. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. So,
1: well, and also go watch a uh, metal Oculus. Oh it's yeah. Great. Yeah. A great, cliche like take up of, of death metal bands. Yeah.
0: If I got the cannibal corpse song, abort Jesus Ron, then I'm giving somebody <laughs> a free one out there. So I was gonna say that <laughs> that song
1: needs to be made if, they, if somebody hasn't made it yet. Yeah.
0: So with all that being said, we thank you for your ears. Anything else that you use to listen to the X Millennial Man podcast. Remember we're here every Saturday for free, wherever you find their fine podcasting shows. And Ty, when uh when we come back, I will have aged closer to Old age, so yeah. yeah, happy early birthday. Yeah. I mean,
1: I'm gonna to talk to you on your actual yeah. birthday, but happy early
0: birthday! <laughs> Thanks, talk to you next time. Take it easy. The Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSane.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.